Hi, everyone. We are here with the Teach for Justice podcast. I'm here with the superintendent of the Garden Grove Unified District School District, which is the district I uh, currently work in, Dr. Gabriela Maffi. Welcome and thank you for being here. This is truly um, uh, an honor and it's uh, it's such a, a interesting, very unique uh, opportunity for me because I have friends who podcast and teachers in other districts. I said, my superintendent's coming on my podcast. And they looked at me like, how in the world did you do that? I said, you just, she's just an open, really interesting person. uh, So much so that I felt very comfortable um, uh, inviting her. And so I'm so glad we could work this out. Uh, But in my time here, one of the reasons you're here is because you're an interesting person. And in this uh, area of education, and especially with this lens of mine of, you know, what does it mean? I'm, I'm using this platform to try to understand. What does it mean to teach for justice in this time that's fraught with uh, division and, and uh, concerns over curriculum, uh, as well as this context, which is this incredibly diverse district? Um, but first, let's give um, our listeners here a little bit of a of background. Can you tell us a bit about your personal education journey? Yes, I'd be happy to. And um, as you're talking about teaching for justice and, and working towards supporting all students, um, things have changed a lot. I'm 56 years old. I just turned 56. So I'll start you on a journey back to when I was younger, when I was in high school, but even before high school. So. Um, I actually um, grew up in South Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, my mom's from Mexico, Sierra Juarez. She came here at 24, met my dad, who had been um, um, inducted into the Marines and ended up going to Camp Pendleton mm-hmm. and went to Mexico, fell in love with it and learned Spanish and everything. And then they met in L.A. So they had six children. I'm um, the fifth of children. My, oh, wow. uh, the children. My mom used to tell us, no hay quinto malo. There's not a bad fifth. <laughs> so I love school. And from from the beginning of school, I love school. Maybe because I was the fifth, I needed attention. I don't know why. But I did love school. And I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, but we did not have a lot of financial resources. So I ended up going to seven different schools oh, wow. between... Um, uh, kindergarten and 11th grade and then in 11th grade I needed to for financial reasons I needed to start working so I was able to do the uh, California proficiency test which no one should do I'm telling you just uh-huh. it, it, it worked for me but right you know it's it didn't work for it wouldn't have worked for my own children because that was a different time back then mm-hmm. because I also wasn't um, provided the A through G requirements like our students are now right back then they had different tracks and I was on the track of by the time I got to high school well this is where you live and you're not going to go to college and it was never discussed but i ended up going to four community colleges um, as i moved around different places as well and then transferred to cal state long beach got my teaching credential was prepared for my lifestyle of teaching and then somehow kept getting told to do other jobs when i was teaching and come over here and do this and then be a tosa and then Mm -hmm. do this and then do that and so this is my 10th year as superintendent of garden grove and i have five more years to tell the time nice i'm gonna pause just for one second All right. Um, so one of the interesting things recently uh, was from earlier this year. Why did you ride the bus with the bus drivers uh, at the beginning of the year? And what did you learn from that? 
so I do like to be out about. So um, I do ride the bus a few times a year. I always find out many, many things. And, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I always meet lots of kids. And I like to know all of our employees. So um, I think two times this year, usually about two or three times a year I rode the bus. Um, so it was twice this year um, just because of scheduling. I also substitute. Um, I also go and do food service, especially during the pandemic, the grab-and-go meals. Uh -huh, Every Monday uh -huh. and Wednesday was out with the grab-and-go meals. So what you learn on the, uh, what you, what you, first thing you do is you connect with people and you get to see what people's experiences are like from our employees' perspective, but also from the students' perspective. You get to have an appreciation for all of the different roles in the district, mm -hmm. because I feel like it's, it's not possible for me to lead the district without really understanding if I'm sitting in my office all the time and I'm out and about doing the jobs that people are doing, I can't drive the bus, so I have to ride on the bus. Right. <laughs> I also find things out. I find out you know, situations. Bus drivers bring things to my attention. Or um, I had a situation pre-pandemic, uh, pre prior to the pandemic, that um, I found out some things about some special ed placement that had happened at an earlier age mm -hmm. when drive, riding on the bus with kids that were in intermediate school. And it caused us to make some changes. So sometimes you find some contextual things or situational things or systemic problems right. when you're out and about. You know, I could be subbing and four or five things come to my attention. Oh, we have to work on this. Or, you know, it just, it keeps, it's, I call it like a pulse point. It keeps right. you connected. And I just love seeing our employees, talking to them, getting to know them. Right. They know they can call me or they can email me if they have a problem because they've seen me. I'm Gabriella. I'm not some scary lady. Right. That's in, the tower the and, right. in the tower and right. sitting there. So I have to do all my work in the evening, much to my husband's chagrin, in the evening <laughs> and on the weekends, like my paper, you know, work because mm -hmm. I need to be out and about. Right. Love it. Good stuff. Uh, uh, so you actually take time out of your schedule to personally mentor some students in our district. What was your inspiration for uh, uh, actually personally mentoring um, students in our district and why is that important to you? So um, when I left the principalship and I went to the district office, I was like, I really miss being around kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not the same and parents and families. And um, I still saw staff a lot. So I started individually mentoring when I was director of instruction and then as assistant superintendent, students um, usually starting in seventh and eighth grade and saw them on their way up. But as I was preparing to become a superintendent, I thought, you know, I need a group that's kind of like kind of like Simon Scholars, which is a group that, that kind of meets together. So right. I had um, 100 students in the class of 2020 and 2021 from three elementary schools that I saw from sixth grade to 12th grade. Um, and they graduated from Santiago and Los Amigos class of 2020 and 2021. And then I started a new group a few years ago. They're now in eighth grade, mm -hmm. um, getting ready to go to ninth. They'll go to their fits, go to Los Amigos. Why I do it is, again, it's that pulse, it's staying connected. It's hearing directly from kids. It's having kids that I can help to support. They can call me. They have my phone number. The parents can call me. I go to King's Unitas. I, you know, I <laughs> counsel the parents about college choices. I, I push the kids, you know, like a good mom. And, uh, and I counsel the parents on things they need to do. I intervene. I make sure they get the right courses. Yeah. I send letters to all the teachers. Um, of right, all the real classes. mentoring. I, and I think yes. it's important because, uh, you know, someone can skeptically or, or cynically hear that and say, oh, it's it's performative, right? But oh, uh, I yeah. know from having spoken with people who have interacted with your mentees that you really are in there. It's oh, no, not... I know them all. I know all <laughs> right. their stories. I go out once a month and I meet with them as a group for several hours. 
and then I do my individual meetings with them. And then every summer we have about five different sessions and we have college trips. We just went to one over spring break. Um, we have longer sessions. And then like this summer, we're gonna go to Los Amigos where they haven't started yet. And we're gonna walk, see where their classes are. I teach them all the Abbott stuff, the slant, mm -hmm. how you have to behave, a lot of cognitive psychology. And then we get them tutoring. We prep what their material is gonna be the next year. It's really about a lot about goal 1C, scholarly habits, and about goal 2A, um, mm -hmm. motivation. Yeah. are really the keys of what I'm trying to do with them. And I just love seeing them. And so I have a poster in my office with some of my mentees, their college posters, you know. I had a young man who was valedictorian, first Latino valedictorian at Los Amigos in I think about 25 years. Oh, wow. Last year that's at Harvard now. He's a second year Goodness. Harvard student and he is being paid by Harvard to teach other kids how to do math because he's so good at math and right. he's gonna be a math professor. Oh, so those are the joys you get to see. Where, but I see kids from all, you know, kids go all different pathways, but my job is to push them like a mom. And, and most of the majority of their parents, actually all their parents are all immigrants. So they didn't have like my mom, right. didn't have my that experience <laughs> to right. say, you know, this is what you need to do so I can serve in that role. And the parents trust me because they get to know me from sixth grade on. Right, right. Do other, this is sort of a, a side question, but I'm sure you have a network of other superintendents. Is that common for superintendents to do something like that? No, I just I kind of made it up. But you okay. know, it, it's kind of, I always say my bread and butter. Yeah. My bread and butter is I've got to be around kids and I've got to be around families and I have to see the impact that our programs have, which is why I sub and do other things as well. So I just enjoy doing it. And I took one last group. I'm going to retire. Um, my last year is going to be their first year in college. Oh, wow. And then okay. I'll retire. So then I'll have had about 150 kids. Uh, but they're great. And I, I still keep track of them now. One group are juniors in college, um, the other group are sophomore in college, and then my group that's going to go to those next year. Well, that, I mean, that kind of leads us right into the next question is, is why do you have such a soft spot for the marginalized students in our district? I grew up, um, even though my dad was born here, he was disadvantaged. So I grew up basically first generation. Um, in a very high poverty area with a lot of brothers and sisters. I always had hand-me-down clothes. I'd look at my teachers and I think someday, you know, I'm going to have a house with maybe a pool. I actually do have a pool and a jacuzzi. <laughs> and someday I'll be able to buy new clothes and someday, you know, and I would look at, at what education and not just in, in terms of material things, but in terms of like helping your parents and the community. And so for me, when I look at our students, primarily 95% of them being first generation themselves, mm -hmm. I see myself and I think of how things were in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up and what was not afforded and how, how much harder you had to push to, um, to get the courses you need. And so that's why it was important for me, one, um, over the course of the last 17 years to change the placement practices and support grading practices and ensure equity and access to courses like AP courses so that students have those opportunities. We can take away the systemic barriers that existed when I was younger, but also just because our kids are delightful. Like we have the best. I worked in two other districts. I came here as an elementary principal in 2002. And so 21 years ago. And prior to that, I worked in two other districts. And um our kids are just the best kids and and their families are wonderful and they trust us to to do the best for them so um i just feel like 
if that's not good enough for my child that I gave birth to, I gave birth to three, mm -hmm. um, two who ended up in gate and they're adults now, 35 and 27, Tom's 28, and one who's profoundly disabled um, and medically fragile, who's only eight, who has a different path. And so I like to just think of all of our kids and what their needs are. Yeah, I, I remember uh, being at the keynote address at the beginning of the school year, and you were talking about the no, some of the no place for hate statistics. Yes. And, and just for people listening, you, you pounded the podium and said, you know, some people think really no place for hate, like not even a little. And you pounded the podium and said, no, not at <laughs> all. This is no place for that. There is no place for that in this district. And that I'll tell you, that really got my attention. And it was basically in that moment I said, if I get a window to invite her on and talk to her more, that would be um, absolutely uh, amazing. I didn't get my networking, but I can't get my <laughs> networking too. <laughs> um, so uh, this is an incredibly diverse district. I don't have all the stats, yes. um, but I know you have some of them in your head yes. and ready to go. I can tell you. Um, so how do we make di uh, diversity a strength mm -hmm. in this district? Uh, instead of an obstacle to achievement? Diversity is a strength. And so Garden Grove Unified School District is one of the most diverse districts. So we are 94.5% um, students of color in our district out of 39,000 students, mm -hmm. um, the majority of whom are, well, 57% Latino, primarily from, Mexican, uh, from Mexico, but some from Central America. 27% Vietnamese, and then 39 other languages. 39, 39 other languages. Wow. The second and third languages being very small, because 39 languages for just a small percentage of students. Um, uh, Arabic and Korean. Arabic actually crept past Korean in terms of being a slightly higher number with the recent influx of um, refugees um, adjacent to like the La Quinta area. Mm -hmm. So we have a very diverse district, not just from a race ethnicity perspective, but from a religious perspective, from an immigrant perspective, from an orientation and identity perspective. We have wonderful kids and that bilingualism, biculturalism, biliteracy is so important to us as a district, which is why we have our um, world language, um, heritage language classes that are offered from seventh grade on our dual immersion program starting as young as preschool and why we work so hard in parent and community outreach to work together. We have our family resource centers, our five family resource centers to work with our parents. And so that we can, we're working alongside with them. We're not telling them what to do. They're not telling us what to do. We're working together and right. navigating the course for their child. And it, it, it seems to be working, right? Do, do you get calls from other district leaders from other districts and say, well, how do you, we're having trouble. How does, how do you guys make it work? Um, we do, because in addition to having a safe and welcoming climate and culture for our students, we're kicking butt on test scores, I'll just say, in A through G rates, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> to use the vernacular. So, I mean, we have our um, SBAC scores be not just the state, we always beat the state, but the county of Orange, a very affluent county. We beat Orange Unified, which is much more affluent. It's probably like about 35% for reduced lunch and Newport Beach, right. Newport Mesa. So we actually beat or matched test scores. San Francisco, we used to be neck and neck with Unified, right. much more affluent district. We're above them now. So actually the San Francisco, sorry if you're seeing this, Matt, yeah. the San Francisco <laughs> superintendent Oops. was like, oh, we're going to beat you. I'm like, no, you're not. Not in the next five years, you're not while well, I'm superintendent. No. But, um, but we're getting those outcomes and then we're getting the A through G outcomes. More importantly, we're getting the outcome of 
secondary, post-secondary acceptances to universities. And so people do ask. I think um, one of the keys to the district is coherence. It's an embracing of the diversity. It's embracing of the family and community, but it's also coherence. This is my 10th year. Most superintendents last two or three years. I have five more years to go unless, right. the, unless the board fires me first. Yep. And I have, um, and we have a cabinet that's been in the district. We have principals that stay in the district. We have teachers that stay in the district. People don't leave. And that coherence um, is important for our students so that they experience continuity as they go from elementary to intermediate to high school. Wow. Um, thank you. Uh, so speaking of teachers, how yes. do you plan to address the ongoing issue of teacher retention and and recruitment within the district? So what's funny is that is an issue for the state, but it's not an issue right. regarding growth. We actually have too many. We're oh, overstaffed man. Yeah, our on new, a regular Our new basis. teachers are so impressive. They're so wonderful. But we actually are at the elementary level overstaffed every year because the retirements have not kept um, task with the declining enrollment. Right. So we do have a slight declining enrollment. But that being said, I think what's equally important in recruitment and retention is ensuring that our teacher uh, staff, that we're hiring people that are from our community. And so we've made a lot of effort to have pathways for a classified staff as well mm -hmm. as for our former student alumni for them to come up because having students that represent the students we serve, that speak the languages that the families speak of the students we serve is really key. And I, I will say, especially in secondary where there were more hiring opportunities over the last 17 years, mm -hmm. we've seen a lot more diversity in every way. Um, and that's starting to happen at elementary as we're starting to see more retirements um, and we expect to see um, them in the future. But we're not anticipating a problem attracting and retaining teachers, but we do want to make sure also, because we can afford to be picky, that we're attracting folks that believe in our students, that have high self-efficacy and have high expectations for the students with support. Right. Um, all right. Well, what message do you have for teachers in the district? Right? How can they work with the administration to create a positive and effective learning environment for all students? Well, I, I'm very proud of our teachers in the district, and, and I know pretty much all of them by name. Um, there's a few times where I'm like, the elementary, because I was over secondary for longer. So secondary <laughs> right. people, for sure. The elementary, there's a few that I'm like, I know the name. I just need to make sure I right. put the face with the name when I'm at that school. Um, but um, they do a wonderful job. Um, how, how can, can, they, work how with can administrators they work best to... with administrators? I think the key is for us all to remember what we're here for in local parentis, in lieu of the parent. And so that means that administrator is there to support the whole school and to provide feedback. And I think one of the key things, and when I was a principal, it was really important, I would share with my teachers, my role here is to help us towards continual improvement, myself included. So when I come through for evaluations, when we have conversations, it's going to be about some of it is going to be about providing you feedback to continue to enhance your performance, as well as giving you praise for all the great things you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a, a, an expectation. And sometimes we'll have new teachers come in or even more experienced ones say, well, I don't want to get any feedback. Right. Well, you're not a professional <laughs> if you're not getting feedback, right? There's not an grow. attorney, a doctor, right. or any, any professional job that you have you're going to be reflecting, you're going to be self-evaluating, self and you're going to be working with your administrator to say, here's my natural next steps. You're, you're either growing or, or you're stagnating. And I think all of our teachers are need to grow, want to grow, and that's the administrator's role is to help to finesse that and to say, wonderful job in the classroom, 
and um, have you thought about this? Or, you know, have you considered that? Or here's a little reading, or maybe there's some professional development I want to send you to. And that's part of our collegiality. And I think what's key is that principals and, and assistant principals were teachers themselves. Right. And so I still see myself as a teacher. That's why I still suck, mm -hmm. because I love teaching kids. And I love being a part of that. And the principals still are embroiled in that, you know, and they still have that teacher's mind. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think to be successful too, and, and last because you know teachers are stressed yeah but i think you know when you're already stressed you and you get some feedback that is meant to be constructive depending on your mindset you may it may feel like an attack or something other than yes an opportunity being offered to you by somebody who wants to see you grow and I, and i've seen you know i've been in a couple of different districts before before landing here and, and i think you know some of the teachers that have been struggling are the ones that are resist it and and see you know some try to see some dialogue as an attack and it's uh it, it makes it tough um when they get real fixed on i've made it to where i want to be and this is the best version it's like um and especially post covid it's like well things have changed a little bit yes yes. you know so to meet these kids where they're at right now might you might need to make some modifications here and right. how do we get there if we're just about teaching and not about learning i think any any of us myself included when i'm out subbing would say um i did this lesson perfectly but you have individual students sitting on those desks and so <laughs> there's also classroom rapport and there's also checking for understanding there's also all of the pieces from a student's perspective. And so that's where the dialogue and, and what do we expect students to be is open to feedback. What are students, what's happening to students all day long? They're being evaluated, they're being assessed, they're being asked to grow and stretch. Six beyond periods their a day point. by six yes. different yes. adults. So that's, that's <laughs> our role too. And it's also the role of the principal and the superintendent. Uh, every year I look at what can I do better? How can I improve? The time I stop saying that is a time for me to retire. No. or the time for me to leave if i'm if i'm saying i'm doing everything perfectly i just started right. something new this year which is superintendent's advisory group and i go to each high school on a thursday next year it's going to be monday and i meet with a group of students where they give me feedback about how the district is doing and i need to hear it and sometimes i mean they can be critical they're pleasant they're lovely yeah. but it's critical things and they're like, oh we got to do that better but i need to hear that because i need to be able to receive that feedback for continual improvement of garden growth. Have you ever subbed and the students had no idea who you were? You know, I, <laughs> um, yes and no. I tell them who I am. Oh, okay, okay. Because it's weird to be anonymous. <laughs> Plus, I go in there with such a it's like funny. authority. I'm very bossy. And so <laughs> right. like, I was at Lewis like the other day, and I'm like, hi, everybody. And they came in and they're looking like, okay, because the teacher didn't have a chance to tell them. They didn't know who I was, but they knew I was somebody right. because I wasn't like, Hey guys, what I'm like, okay, yeah. guys, come on, sit down. Right. We're gonna do this. That's and then funny. they had like their time, you know, they had their bank time where they had a, like a collaborate, like a period for students, uh, consult period. Uh -huh. and they call it pack time at Lowe's. And so the CSA brought a few kids. I'm like, okay, Miho, come on, sit down. You're gonna do this. So I, I can't hide who I am because I'm like their moms uh, all up in their business what are you doing over there <laughs> right, okay, right. turn around here now we're all paying attention Check right. out. and they're bummed that you're circulating <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so they i just say i'm the superintendent i'm in charge of the district well and they're like Ooh, okay yep. what's really cute is elementary one time i didn't wasn't saying who i was i just said my name is dr Moffy. and this little boy who's a third grader goes this is like before the pandemic 
Dr. Mafi, Dr. Gabriella Mafi, just like that. <laughs> and I said, yes. And he goes, you're on all the things that get sent home. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he was a little spectrum. He like had memorized the spelling of my name. Yep. It was really cute. So anyways, but I, I do love being around kids, students. Awesome. And it comes through. And, and, and uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, all right. So speaking of kids, uh, I have a yes. podcast club. Oh, yes. And we, I asked the kids uh, for a question. And so this next one is from the students. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure their voice yes. was part of this. Um, all right. How do you, as a superintendent, ensure or support each site mm -hmm. in promoting a positive school culture and like school spirit? That's a great question in a few different ways. One is that part of our district goal. So we have district goal one, which is the academic skills, right? Academic content, English mastery, scholarly habits. But then goal two is about motivation, socio-emotional well-being, and then climate and culture. And it's that 2C that's really important, mm -hmm. the climate and culture. And so there's a lot of work that we do to address that. One is we work really closely with our high school department chairs, teachers, training. Um, we have the new CID app. We work with our principals to talk about the role of climate and culture because it's hard to have school spirit if you have low morale. And you yeah. have, can't have a positive school culture without being safe and welcoming. So that's a, a big part of what we do. Um, and then my superintendent's advisory group this year has given me more insight into those things as they're sharing with me specifics from each of the eight schools, including Hair Continuation. Each of the eight schools, what are some of the things they'd like to see happen that they think are going well, that they think aren't going as well? So part of it is student voice. We also, I, I always do my poll yes. We also have our BRC um, group, which is our student reps from ASB that come together mm -hmm, once a mm -hmm. month. And they get together and they engage in conversations about what's happening at their school site, what improvements would they like to see. We talk about things like Stop It, which is one of the new apps that I think has really benefited in terms of helping students have a safe way to report unsafe behaviors and because it, it's intimidating and the kids have, have shared with me especially prior to the stop it up like um, and when they do the surveys do you have an adult you can go to we wish that number was higher it's not as high as we'd like it to be but we appreciate their honesty they don't feel like there's an adult human that they can go to and say, I saw something I'm not comfortable with. Yes. Or I think a friend of mine or I or they might personally be in some trouble or potentially uh, some danger. Yes. And so I think that the app was a great idea. And I was so, uh, you know, we had as soon as we uh, gave it the green light this year, almost immediately. Oh, we, uh, I, I look at it were, every day. I'm like, oh, right. And, and I'm. Uh, part of me is very proud of them now whether or not they used it properly or whether or not some of those things were like okay well maybe that wasn't as big a deal or there's other ways to have reported but you this. know what i doesn't matter hear it all right it doesn't matter that the idea that they it just shows statistically that they had had concerns yeah. you know on the surveys they're saying i don't have a bunch of adults mm -hmm. that i feel i can go to um and i, I think it's comforting i don't know if the reports have died down but i think it, it was a comforting thing for them and i think some of them were just like let's see if this is for real right let's see if they're real if someone's going to follow up yeah. we have had what has been interesting about stop it we knew for certain we would hear about like threats to school safety you know shooting threats that kind of thing that that go on in social media what we didn't expect as much but we're very happy to see on there is friends coming forward and saying i have a friend who's really having mental health issues yeah. to the point that i'm really worried about him or her this might be a, a suicide attempt i don't know and as a friend i don't know what more i can do and i need an adult to help 
Right. We've had students that come forward to talk about risky behaviors that friends are engaged in because they love them and they care about them right. and they want them to get help. But and they, they don't recognize that it's out of their, like, I don't have the tool set here. I don't have the tool set to help with this. I mean, <laughs> right. we, have, we have lovely, we have little kids who are saying, like, someone made fun of me and called me fat at recess. And we want to know that. Right. I'll never forget, I subbed one time in third grade class and we had this little boy, he started crying in class. I pulled him down, I said, Mijo, what's going on? He said, they call me... Um, Ay, what did they call him? Um, mo baby Moco's diaper. Mo they put a Spanish word right in there. Baby right. Moco's diaper. Moco's being mucus. Yeah. And, um, and I said, who's calling you that? Two little kids in class. I called the kids out and I said, you know, why are you calling him a name other than his name? And then they start crying. You know, that, well, <laughs> the other boy started over. So we started, we had a good lesson about we yeah. only call, we don't want to respect who wants to be called a name other than their own name. It starts when they're little. Yeah. But, um, but sometimes kids act in ways that that they know they shouldn't that their parents have told them not to and stop it actually gives a way to help everyone feel safe and to feel heard um and then if they want to be anonymous they can if they want to be known they can be known also um they can you know they can say hey this is so and so and some have i need some help with this but most of them are wish to remain anonymous they don't want to be the narc they don't want to tell but they also want to get help for their friends it's about keeping kids safe in so many more ways than we initially realized yeah. but oh there's reports every single day i also know that some kids cheated on the mile i heard about that <laughs> right right <laughs> and some other things that but again that kid felt this sense of justice like hey i'm right. not I'm cheating actually on the ran model. My they mile. are and they're getting more credit than I am. well let me give you an example of a school that doesn't have it and this is uh, a friend of mine and their middle school daughter at their school and this is in another district they have very little uh support in terms of socio-emotional or, or counselors on campus. And um, this seventh grader um, ended up uh, because she had no alternative that she thought she had no other alternative and she just needed to reach out, ended up calling the one phone number that they had, which was the suicide hotline. And then, uh, but that was the only number. So she was, she uh, the, the story I got was that she told them, I'm not suicidal, but I don't know where else to, who else to call. And, and for my friend to hear that phrase, you know, your daughter called the suicide hotline, yeah. was a very difficult phrase to hear. And I, I could only imagine. Um, yeah, and so it, it's, so the fact we have that is, is so comforting. Prior to, the, to that app, though, I had uh, a former student who um, says hi all the time, her and her buddy, um, and she came to me uh, and said, can you please refer her buddy that she hangs out with all the time because she's just really struggling and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do a referral. So I said, yeah, I'll do it right now. And I referred her and, and she got seen and, yeah. and, and then because wrote it out. Because they knew someone they could go to, right. but and, not everyone does. Yeah. And so that was, that was awesome, but it was, uh, you know, I felt such a, I, I had a lot of feelings about <clears throat> that, but it, I yeah. was, it was, it was a very powerful moment and you realize the impact you have that she knew she could say, hey, I need you to do this and know that I would do it and keep it kind of, you know, on the down low and things like that. It was awesome. Everyone needs someone. I have had that with my mentees, particularly when they get to the high school level and they'll come to me with things that are concerning because they because they've known me since sixth grade so they can tell me yeah. things and they know i'll keep it confidential and they know i can also probably fix it yeah so like you know like my, when they when we had ap testing during covid um one of my my boy who's at my young man who's at harvard now was like uh dr mafi they're having us come to school 
but the, you know, the buses aren't running and whatever to take the AP test. It was before they had it online. And so I said, okay, Mijo, we're going to get a bus and we're going to, we're going to transport you guys. And do it. But, some, but you have to, you have to have a pulse um, of what's going on and you have to have kids that trust you enough to come and tell you things. And that, and that's part of the joy of, of having the relationships as a teacher that you have with kids that you do when you're a principal, but you're at the district office, you miss that. Yeah. So I, that, I so honestly, that, yeah. it feeds me to, to be able to support kids in that way. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, I, we're going to wrap this up. I want to thank you again just for um, the culture you have created, and I, you know, and I, and I know that everywhere every district has its its group of teachers that are you know frustrated about about some things. But I've been a couple of places, and this has been such a positive experience. And the fact that you're willing to come on to my humble podcast here and support <laughs> nice. me, my podcast club, and and uh, and the kids is is uh, is awesome. I mean, and and for people to know, we're in my classroom here, and it's five o'clock at night and there's a, a wellness fair here for yes. the district um, and so it's not just these aren't just buzzwords socio-emotional learning this is really walking the walk yes. and uh, we will be having our our parents all together in the um in the gym and we'll do a little orientation we have some of our board members present and then the students will have a breakout which is how to be an upstander with the um um anti-defamation league where they're going to talk about you know what you're you don't want to be a bystander something's going on you have to be an upstander you have to speak up you have to say something when people are being bullied people aren't being treated fairly and the parents will have a variety of different workshops that they can go to ranging from risky behaviors to you know suicide prevention to just you know how to set a positive um communication um, interactions with your teenagers, which is hard right. to do, no, we, you know, I mean, having raised two teenagers, it yep. can be challenging on both ends. And um, so there's some great workshops tonight. We're hoping we're going to get a lot of parents coming out and a lot of students. And um, that's just part of the ongoing, you know, supporting our families and helping them, providing them with the tools that they need to be successful. And our kids They're are awesome. so successful. They're wonderful, wonderful They're kids. Awesome. I am so proud. Every time I meet with high school kids, I'm just like, I can be walking down anywhere. Even even if I have to say something, I, I never forget years ago, I was at Santiago, um, which is a wonderful school, and it just so happened it could happen in any school. Um, I was walking and some boys were talking about themselves and they happened to be cursing, which sometimes kids do when they're by themselves. Mm -hmm. They didn't see me, I'm walking by. They don't know me from Adam. I'm walking by, I'm like, mijo, you're cursing on school campus, not okay. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. And then as we're walking away, he goes, that's a very nice suit. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, they're just, they're good kids. Yeah. They're good kids that res are respectful. They're good kids that they want better for their families, for their community. And, um, and we're seeing a transformation of our community with the success of our graduates. Awesome. Well, I don't want to hold you up any further okay. from the Wellness Fair. I appreciate this very much. Thank you so much, Dr. Gabrielle Mafia, everybody. Mm -hmm.